Hey folks, it's Mark here. Chris was ill this week, so we weren't actually able to go away and record the episode on video that we said we were going to do. I know that's been two weeks in a row now. But we've decided that we are going to put out one of our 7 inches, our split 7 inches that we do for our subscribers on Patreon. If you are not on our Patreon, please go over to patreon.com forward slash unsungpod and check out all the cool things we've got. Um, I don't know if you're aware, uh, you maybe don't listen to the podcast regularly or maybe you're, you've not tuned in for a while, but both uh, Chris and Dave, they both work in the live music scene. And as you probably know very well, there ain't a lot happening there just now. So anything you could give would be really gratefully appreciated. All these little bits of cash that we can get are helping these guys, you know, just get by the day to day. So seriously, if you have a little bit to spare, then please do send us some cash by donating on Patreon. Um, you don't even need to stay a regular subscriber. You can subscribe for a month and then drop off or, you know, whatever. Um, but there's a lot of cool things on there. So please go and check it out. Hope you enjoy this episode. We're trying to figure out what to call this uh, split seven inch because it was originally Chris. You wanted to call it guilty pleasures. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, but, uh, um, dirty, dirty secret. But the, I'll, I'll, the problem is that Mark and I have no shame. Yeah, yeah. it is so, hard to shame the shameless, which yeah, is why exactly. I said shameless. Yeah. Um, I also said redneck, but that's a Scottish thing, and yeah. re- it might even seem like redneck, like American yeah, redneck. Which would be whereas redneck, which, which was actually nine, nine a, an album be. I thought about. <laughs> yeah, yours yeah, nearly is redneck. Double header, yeah, yeah. But, but, um, so basically, the idea is so. Hi, uh, hello, Patreoners. Uh, this is a little <laughs> bonus episode. It's split seven inch, as we call it, and we uh, are all bringing an album to the table that fits a theme. Yeah, this is. A, I think this will be volume one, so we're not going to waste too much time going over all the many that we discounted because yeah. there were a number especially David who sent one of those you know one of those text messages that's just far too long yeah. which was just the first ones that came into his head <laughs> of awful records that he unironically enjoys that and, inspired uh, me though um, yeah. so there you go so this is uh, each of us picking a suggestion of I don't even remember what listener it was I'm sorry now it's all a blur uh, after our City Pop episode and <laughs> melted my head um uh, it was just basically a record that we listened to that we were a little bit embarrassed to admit that I really fucking like this and maybe I should have grown out of it but I haven't or it's or, definitely or it's just very uncool it's whack um, but I, I'm going to you know stand by it I'm going to take the hit mm-hmm. uh, so we have each picked one yeah. albeit there were many options so I'm sure we shall revisit yeah um, but we might as well wade in then, seeing as we're not going to preamble with yeah. what's it all about with shitty albums and stuff. Some of these are shitty bands. Some of these are just shitty albums by maybe all right bands. Some of them... Some are both. Yeah, some are both. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and some some are perhaps neither. You decide. <laughs> uh, so, I, I mean, one of you guys go first. I... Well, I, why? Okay, right. Fuck it. <laughs> I was like, so I had so many options for Cuts this. Cards on the table. Um, but I thought 
what is the one that the two of you are going to think is so uncool? Yeah, bearing, hate most. Bearing in mind that David, yeah. uh, he is an absolute motherfucker. David, what was yeah. it you picked? <laughs> I, I've gone for Snow Patrol <laughs> and Final Straw. thought of cutting in the sample there is oh yeah I know <laughs> um, hey but this album was a victim of its own success was it I, yeah. this album was a victim of itself so uh, Snow Patrol released two records before they're from Northern Ireland uh, but then they moved to Glasgow by way of Dundee uni, Dundee yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah they went to uni in Dundee and then moved to Glasgow and I actually they were on Cecil Street over in the West End yeah. actually my friend Alana used to live below them well uh, Fraser Simpson uh, of our good friends in the band Leto mm-hmm. uh, performed on their fucking Polar Bear yeah. album. Oh, the the reindeer section. No. Oh no. Oh, the, the, the Snow Polar Patrol Bear, album. Snow Patrol the, album. Back when they were a kind yeah, of rock yeah. indie rock band. Yeah. So they, they released two a... records, um, which were sort of fairly averagely produced. Um, it's a bit of the Biffy Clyro. It's like yeah. a bit the kind of more interesting, a bit more edgy. You yeah. heard them on radio, and you're like, oh, "This is like a young, oh, energetic rock band." Quite some, cool. Yeah. There was yeah. like a couple of decent songs on on either on both those records. Um, then in 2004 They hired a producer Called Jackknife Lee no. who, who came in Is he cancelled now? I have no idea He's always been cancelled to me But do you know Do you know this guy? He did He did Ratitude by Weezer So yeah I know him <laughs> It's a fucking uh, okay. dreadful album as well mm. uh, So the first I heard Of Snow Patrol Was my friend Gordon um, Is who, he cancelled now? Who, no he's not <laughs> But at the time He was in a band called Carson Oh uh, yeah From yeah, Fort yeah. William Gordon then, Skeen Yeah so yeah, And yeah. then he's gone Also on to in Freight and Rabbit At one point Yeah right? lots of Glasgow bands And was in Freight and Rabbit For a while So he's on. he sent me uh, A clip of Spitting Games By fight, uh, by Snow Patrol On MSN Messenger As you do I was like, oh, do you know what? That's actually, I really like that chorus. It's really catchy. It's really well produced. It's, you know, what have you. And then he also sent me a little clip of Run. Which was like, oh, that's quite a cool little emo ballad. Um, up. But do you know what the the clip that he had? I think I've heard that one. The clip that he sent only had the verse; it didn't have the chorus, and it just repeated the verse like three times, and it was like a minute and a half long or something like that. And then when I eventually heard this album, I was like, oh, do you know what the chorus actually pisses me off? I, I liked it before as it was like some sort of just a quiet post rock song rather than this big epic. Pop shit. David, how could you resist? How could you resist the warm embrace of yeah, the chorus of "Run," but uh, sung by a million drunk hen parties? I know. <laughs> so, but basically, when this album came out, they were like nobody had heard of Snow Patrol when the album came out, um, and then Jack Knife Lee had like took Vic Galloway and heard of them, polished right. them to absolute fuck, made you know basically 
got the drummer who's got the easiest job in Britain anyway because mm-hmm. it's it goes <laughs> or it goes do 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 um there's no fills in snow patrol and he polished it all up and he added some little glitchy bits and made the vocals you know tuned them up there's a like bit. an extra credited writer that doesn't appear in the band mm-hmm. on a lot of these songs as well so yeah. like how much was there maybe a bit of steerage from yeah, a, like a yeah, label or a studio that. because it's Ian somebody or other I think he does backing vocals in one of the later songs yeah. I'm just kind of curious um, and he's he doesn't seem to be like a band member uh, so perhaps they were being sort of helped mm-hmm. or aided or maybe he's just like that the, goes right from their, like a their, friend yeah maybe their mm-hmm. butler um, but I was I don't know I was in sixth year when this album came out I think at school or fifth year maybe I don't know my girlfriend of the time bought me the album. No doubt. Yeah, and it. I, I don't know. I just just, really just so it. you it's know, like a fine it, average indie album. At the same time, your girlfriend was buying you this album. I was uh-huh. buying my mum this album. Well, yeah, fuck it. I don't care. <laughs> um, but I I got it first before it went big. All right, Christopher. <laughs> before it went Tesco. You went in at the ground level. Yeah. Um, you had chocolate, and that was it. Uh, oh yeah, so chocolate was the one that like became a big hit, wasn't it? I mean, sorry, I've, 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 I've added the word anus onto the end of every song. <laughs> so it's chocolate anus. Sorry, you have to uh, like adjust for my notes. Um, the problem is, like, this is like a band that still had some kind of rough edges, but there were kind of interesting things going on. Like, I really like this was rough edges. No, but I'm not saying it's rough, but <laughs> like it's overproduced. And it, but like song like Gleaming Auction, which has got like this Gleaming Anus. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Which has got like this interesting chorus that comes in, and then they just take it away. There's some really, there's some really. Oh, I don't know. It's fine. It's I, I, I know it's shit. This is the whole point of it. But like, I, I like this record, right? Um, in a nostalgic you, way, but also like, did you play? Did you play this a lot when your girlfriend gave you it? Yeah. Yeah, it was on. Did you play it for her sake, or did you play it because you? No, I think it. it was on in the car as like with pals as well like started to drive around in our first cars and it was on over Christmas time I remember it was the Christmas that I was also reading Lord of the Flies for the first time for some reason <laughs> you're late so, to the party yeah um, but uh, I imagine this album soundtracking the creeping ennui of a dying relationship <laughs> yeah maybe, I mean it, that that relationship was dead before it started to be honest like I look back and go well yep well, that, that was a weird one um, how many times have you DJ'd run I've never played any Snow Patrol song ever at a DJ set not even at that wedding no no wonder the fucking aunties left me no wonder you could have no, i was playing fucking stevie have, wonder and all the good shit you i could have, would never played you could have Snow rammed Patrol. that dance floor hey, with aunties. no there was like there was a snake snake hips uh, <laughs> snake un- <laughs> there was a snake hips drunk uncle with a blue velour suit who came up kept asking for like uh stevie wonder and stuff and he asked for michael jackson oh you went with I him but to, no the aunties i had to tell him that the aunties were canceled. choking for a bit of run no there was an auntie who's like uh 
all right, mate, I'm from Liverpool, so could you play the Beatles? <laughs> I was like, no, fuck off. <laughs> uh, we're only halfway through Death Heaven. She <laughs> <laughs> did literally fuck off. Got all six minutes to go. Um, but yeah, I basically, it, this album suffered massively from being Everything. overplayed the, the songs Everything. on it well and also yeah. the band playing it but then the band because it was the next record uh, which came out which also had like two good songs on it I think it had the one with Martha Wainwright and then there was another good song on it but then it had that fucking Chasing Cars song yeah which I always get mixed up with Run all oh, the time that Chasing Cars song fucking haunted me if I lay here if I just lay There was a the next summer after my first year at uni, I worked in like this oil pipeline place, uh, just painting things blue was pretty much my job. <laughs> I just painted stuff blue, uh, and there was either Radio One or Radio Two on uh, in all places all around the place, and there were like three songs that fucking year that got played on both Radio One and Radio Two, and there was only like ten songs on the playlist, so I would hear each song like. 20 times a fucking day one of them was Chasing Cars by Snow Patrol uh, another one was The Coral and another one I can't remember what song but The Coral and then another one was uh, Valerie by the Zootons you know what and if I hear any of those three songs now I go fucking mental and I start painting things blue out of <laughs> you know it actually sounds probably like like a very similar experience to the inmates of Guantanamo Bay had when yeah so but it's funny like Snow Patrol now like because that song was hugely successful Chocolate was the first like big hit and then that song Chocolate and then, Anus and then what's her name Covered Run from Leona Lewis Leona Lewis And then they just became a huge mainstream, like a, do you know what they became? Like an even more boring version of Coldplay, right? They were like the, oh, Coldplay's a bit too edgy for me. They basically did the Travis, I think, more than Coldplay. They tried to do the Travis. They tried to do the Travis and they just became very, very bland mainstream indie pop. That second track, whoa, that's a fucking rocker though, yeah. (laughs) It's a fucking Because no, I mean, uh, the first one How to be dead Or mm. how to be a dead anus sounds, Don't take us to it, <laughs> take us to no, it. We, don't, we do not <laughs> go no, track by track On seven inches Ten minutes to write that song But it's such a fucking low energy way To start an album yeah, A yeah. bad album anyway But then they, they And like about three or four of these songs Including Gleaming Anus uh, They have that kind of distorted bass sound thing That yeah, I think yeah. they try to use to cover up For the fact that they're very very boring Yeah well and the, mm, All the drums are just like <laughs> the, the drums are just copy and pasted beats All the way through and blah 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 They also do that vocal and falsetto thing You know they have like yeah. a, a singing voice A singing voice At the same time But hey It's a thing Do you know what Motif uh, if, A theme 
if chocolate never got picked up and they <laughs> never the dog, I, the dog wouldn't be dead no, I don't know <laughs> no, I, I mean it's not a very good album it's very bland and beige but it's just kind of comforting for me alright yeah. yeah that's I get it. that's what we're talking about so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah. it I, I would listen to this and I'd put it on in the car and I'd go oh yeah that reminds me of Lord of the Flies <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the kids started eating themselves yeah exactly Mark <laughs> oh god what did you choose? I picked uh, Waking the Fallen by Avenged Sevenfold. Inspired by your uh, choice of butterfly, or your suggestion of suicide notes and butterfly kisses by a trio, which itself is a terrible album. Yep. Um, Fuck me, man. This record is one hour and eight minutes long. <laughs> so fucking long, man. It's so fucking I was long. at track six and I was like, how many fucking tracks are left, man? It's like, yeah, it's like eight more songs oh, to go. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one, man. Um, I went to Manchester to see these guys. I fucking love this band. Um, and then they released an album after this called The City of Evil. They, that was when they went like Guns N' Roses basically like, became Guns N' Roses yeah. yeah all the screaming was gone uh, pretty much any heaviness was gone and they completely changed what was band. the big one backcountry yeah it was also um, The Beast and the Harlot yeah record too. Um, and they went aye and they also like took up like the Fear and Loathing Las Vegas vibe yeah. oh that's because like backcountry I suppose yeah yeah um, but then, then the drummer died and they got um, <laughs> the country dream theatre which is right. Mike Portnoy what did the drummer die of uh, he was just found dead in his like yeah, in his bed just like I think he had a heart attack yeah. but Waking the Fallen so this was like from that so they were like record. of that early 2000s metalcore mm-hmm. scene and like there were so many bands like Atreyu and from Ops to Ashes and yeah you went down like the more like these are all bands that I've pretty much went to see in the garage in yep. 2004 Same. like Trivium <laughs> Bullet from a Valentine all these all bands kind of shit, yeah. Avenged Sevenfold were always like a bit more goth yeah um, I like TFI, so it made sense that I would like a band like this. You know? um, I, I think it's it's odd though because this album I've never listened to this album. I've heard a couple of their songs, but I'm really taken by the fact that the production doesn't really seem to suit the style of the music. The production's terrible in this right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's really like, thin, isn't it? Thin, and the yeah. vocals are like very loud, but not in a way that's like loud and impactful, mm-hmm. but in a way that makes the music sound really weedy. It's just a really odd production decision. Like it seems like they've tried to produce it like a pop album, mm-hmm. but it just it, it neither it doesn't sound poppier and more accessible. But yeah. neither does it, nor does it benefit the metal side of it. There's some cool riffs on it, but the production doesn't do them any favor. So they don't really go. They don't really they don't really have the punch they need. Yeah, the vocals Talk- are really like I think I think M Shadows. Fucking what? 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 What, <laughs> what a shit! Who's yeah. that? That's a singer. M Shadows, M. Shadows is a singer. Hmm. Um. And he's so good called that even to this day. Uh, I think he's got an incredible voice. <laughs> I prefer it like the big commercial, like, um, mm, shadows. shadows? <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> I think he's got, I, th- I, th- I think they're all really good players. And, and the fact that they wrote this record when they were like 17 or 18, yeah. it's like, it can show that they were really fucking great. A lot of the screaming was done by the Rev, the drummer. The drummer was called the Rev. 
just just uh, the, the fucking guitar player is called Zaki Vengeance. <laughs> hey, they were cool rocker guys. Zaki. Zaki. Look, they obviously they took Z A C K Y. Yes, Zaki. They took. That's the worst part of it. Aye. And then the other they were like, They took a lot of influence from glam rock. Yeah. And like they were doing metalcore, but as a glam rock band, basically, mm. kind of like Eighteen Visions, Did. but like Eighteen Visions were more Bon Jovi. Yeah. Totally. You know what? Like the the Zaki thing makes more sense, right? Because I've. A big, I've got a few bones to pick with this record, right? But <laughs> one of them is track four, Reminiscence. Reminiscence. The fuck is that? <laughs> like, so it's like, it's not reminiscence. Yeah, it's right? reminiscence. It's not. Ruminations. It's not, it's not premonitions. It's not emissions. <laughs> none of those words end in issions. No. And so I start googling it, right? And there's all these fan forums where they're like, "Guys, what is re- reminiscence? We need to work this out." Until like they do sort of after a few years of this thread, just come to the conclusion that I think they made a mistake. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> I think they meant to like write ruminations or reminiscence, and the tracks about religion. So maybe like premonitions or. I, I'm not really sure, yeah. but that it just meant the word. It was like, it's just such an odd word to look at. Like, what did they think they were writing? Because even if it was like, what's the word for a con- two conjoined words? There's a word for that. Portmanteau, right? Portmanteau. So like, it's not even one of those. It's yeah. just nothing. It's just fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. And therefore, Zaki. The whole record is fucking stupid. They're all going to have. They're all going to have players called Sinister Gates. So, <laughs> and he's actually he's he's actually but he's like endorsed by Shetter because they're a fucking massive band now. They're a fucking huge band, like legitimately, like almost like fucking download festival headline size. They're obscenely big. It's coming from this fucking record, right? This fucking album. Uh, and he's he's he's, he's got like his own like they've all got their own line of fucking guitars by Shetter and stuff like that. Zaki Zaki fucking left hand as well it's, it's a weird thing so I first heard Unholy Confessions I think it was on a TV or something like that. Like a pure identical metalcore riff. Every band's written it. The video is so bad. Everything's so bad about this fucking record, man. But that riff, me, maybe I'll have an ex-girlfriend story about every album that we're talking about here, but I used to go around to her house and her little brother was learning to play guitar. The TV Fringe. Well, uh, yeah, he did actually, <laughs> uh, and uh, he would always play this, and the two of us would play it in harmony because it was like I was kind of teaching. You were bonding with the guy. Yeah, I was well. bonding. You didn't know where that relationship. And we bonded was over Avenged Sevenfold. Yeah. You're cool guys. I knew it was shite. You're cool guys. <laughs> it's, uh, this is like uh, when, when I heard this. Like, I had heard this one before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think even taking into account the video, which is like basically a montage of like crap emo gestures, um, it, it is that like setting in motion that long tradition of like wee guys with fringes kind of alternating between two personas, you know, the one of like a sensitive, misunderstood emo genius mm-hmm. and uh, this like battle ready, like metal Viking hero type. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you've got the and then you get the like metal guys are that. 
genre never knew what they wanted to be. <laughs> they did. They wanted to be both things. They wanted to be sensitive and emotional and vulnerable. Like, come on, girls, I feel bad too. And, and then, then it became like, Axl Rose. So. <laughs> <laughs> he did neither, really. <laughs> nah, it just made me um, feel bad. Well, they're all straight edge, incidentally. Yeah. Uh, all fucking vegan. Yeah, which shit. is funny, like, which is metal. weird, considering they took so much influence from glam rock mm. that their lifestyles were. Yeah. And like, you watch like when they got bigger and they were all like rock and roll, but it's like they were doing it. Sober. I remember being fucking embarrassing. I remember being in an interview and crying of uh, <laughs> a fucking of, of M Shadows talking about his gym routine when he was Excuse me, um, Shadows. <laughs> and it's just like this is like the most fucking stupid shit. Like, the, and it's, it's actually it's quite fitting that they've become so big on the back of being basically a new Guns N' Roses, right? Because like they're just as ostentatious and just as fucking nonsense. But they don't have the excuse of alcohol and drugs. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. It's like less. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I fucking yeah. hate Guns N' Roses but at least give them fucking credit where it's due it kind of was a smack party, <laughs> yeah, so that was on Holy Confessions I like Chapter 4 quite a lot I like Desecrated Through Evidence as well Terrible names for songs. Uh, the whole, uh, you know, uh, whole desecrate the album's fucking terrible. Desecrate through reverence is actually not the worst. Like the, the, it just gets bad when he starts singing. Mm. But like the, the metallic part of that song is yeah, actually not too bad. Mm. And uh, the track was it Eternal Rest. Oh, Eternal Rest is really good. That's a good song. Well. It's quite trashy, yeah. and it actually yeah. sounds almost like a different band. But it's when they're doing their like fucking like you said uh, unholy confession that sort of stuff mm. the, the 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 emo stuff. I mean, but that was like the stuff that drew me in to them. Totally, uh, yeah, absolutely. But like the metal stuff isn't that good. That's what kind of gets me about it. Yeah. It's like if you, I mean, I'm not. But for a lot of people, this was like their first foray into metal. So like they didn't, they weren't comparing it to at the gates. They were comparing it to. Nothing. They, yeah, they are, yeah. I mean, you know, that, and it, it relies on that. It yeah. relies on you comparing it to nothing. Because yeah. as soon as you've got any sort of like, and I am very much not a connoisseur of metal, mm-hmm. but even I know that it's like, fuck, man, it's pretty shit. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, like the X metal riff, like fucking. Mm. It sounds like a South Park piss take of a metal band. Yeah, you yeah. know, South Park loved the death metal band onto the show the other day. And it was fucking great. Yeah, so it was Dying like, Fetus, was it not? Was it Dying Fetus? Sure yeah. <laughs> so this sounds like a South Park rip of like an emo band playing yeah. in a, a, a garage in an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, Can we just talk about I Won't See You Tonight Part 1 which is just completely fucking like needless <laughs> in every single fucking capacity you can even imagine. It's like trying to be meatloaf. It's fucking heady. I mean, yeah, but I love it. Okay, I love not? that song because it's like sorrow. <laughs> it's like mate. See, um, <laughs> I'd, I've got a lot of issues with my younger self. I made a lot of mistakes growing up, and I'm like, what a dweeb, man. I should have stood up for myself more. But yeah. listening to this album, 
I did like my younger self a lot better because even back then I knew this was fucking mince and I didn't I mean, touch it. Mince, totally yeah, mince. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go near it. And so yeah, I'm actually like, near Everclear like, instead. So let's yeah, talk so about excuse that. me, you go for. <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> excuse me. I mean, this album, is, this album's the same length as, as Dave's album, more or less, right? Yeah, and this it is... feels longer than I think seven. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? The Everclear album? Yeah. Everclear album's fucking 30... I know, it feels longer than an hour and eight minutes. <laughs> oh my God, you are tripping balls. <laughs> hey, first, 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 let's just get a few things straight here, right, okay? The thing, the problem I have here is What album did you go for? I went for So Much For The Afterglow by Everclear. Which was released in 1997. It was the mm-hmm. third album. Mm-hmm. All right, they went when they were in their pomp. They went <laughs> off a fucking cliff after this album in a big way. They were dire, and Art Alexakis basically started saying that he was just Everclear was just him. He kicked out Craig Montoya mm-hmm. and Greg Etland. Just became like basically the most unpopular guy in Portland by being like a bit of an egomaniac. They were they were signed by the same guy that signed like Sonic Youth and Nirvana. So really early on, they were like pushed as this like mm. next big post grunge sensation. Bush were kind of kicking in at the time. They still, like opened for Foo Fighters and stuff as well. Um, and their first album, World of Noise, uh, is sort of like Tom Petty doing Bleach by Nirvana. It's like a really rough recording. Really noisy, but it's actually pretty fucking good. It's pretty cool. It's weird. Um, Art Alexakis uh, had started in, I don't know, like rockabilly is maybe the the wrong word, but he'd started in kind of like more kind of rock and roll themed stuff and transitioned into this grungier sound. Does that mean banjo? Does he? Well, there's a banjo on this record. He's I playing. Know. I don't yeah. know it was him. And then their second record came out, um, Sparkle and Fade, and it is legitimately, in context of its era, a fucking great album. It's absolutely fucking full of good tunes. It's got the kind of big Tom Petty vibes, it's got Heartspark Dollar Sign, it had a single called Santa Monica. Which was the one that kind of broke it a bit. Um, it had a, a, like tracks like Electro Made Me Blind, Summerland, Strawberry. Like it was really, really well done post grunge, albeit it hasn't dated that well. But it would have been a good nomination as a as a kind of shameless, you know, guilty pleasure, except for the fact it's actually really legitimately good. And the lyrics in it have got a very strange approach in that they're very specific. They're not all based on reality. They're mm-hmm. kind of some of them are like fictional adaptations of stuff so there's a track on it called Heroin Girl about him finding his girlfriend having overdosed and died and the police make a comment of just another overdose and he hears them saying that blah 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 and that's not actually true none of that happened but his older brother did die of an overdose and both he and his mum when he was much younger overheard the cops when they were moving the body seeing just another, another overdose he did have a really hard life growing up abandoned the daddy issues thing comes up in loads of the records 
a lot of the things that defined Everclear was like, is that the band that always, they were the band that sang about their dad before Papa Roach were a band, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he was, he had like serious drug issues. He grew up in, L- uh, he was born in Portland, but he kind of moved to LA. And it's a recurring theme throughout is like them melting down, him almost dying on cocaine, these kind of things. Anyway, so they brought out Sparkle and Fade, which was kind of like, not dark, but like there's tracks on it like Queen of the Air and stuff that are and um, I think Strawberry deals with like him being clean for a long, long time and then relapsing really badly and getting in a car accident and things. And it, it's kind of interesting stuff and it's quite sincere and it's quite earnest. It was well produced, that album, and it looked like they were going to kick on in a big way. What they then did was they transitioned from like like post-grunge into like power pop with Jessica this album. Louisa. Yeah, so like this album was very much power pop. There's tracks in this album that have 40 to 50 layers of guitar. And I mean, it is like a wall of noise. It's like a Phil Spector type dense, thick slabs of like very, very melodic kind of post-grungy power pop. And I fucking loved it. Like I loved Weezer at the time. I loved this. It was silly and it was right at the, it was right at the edge of what I could tolerate because there is definitely stuff on it that is fucking gormless and OTT, but He's also a fucking great songwriter when when he wants to do joyous, exuberant, multi-layered melodies. I mean, even the, the first song in it, the title track so much for the Afterglow, starts with that kind of Beach Boys 42nd multi-layered... Yeah, uh, weird sort of kitschy vibe. Yeah, yeah. surfy harmony. And then just has this massive sort of wall of guitar that arrives straight off. Uh, the song's got things like it's got wee na-na-na chants and stuff like that. It's, it's cheerful stuff, but it was a bit more self-aware than the previous album. Um, the track Everything to Everyone had a more kind of broken down pop structure to it. There's a couple of them like that. There's a track in it called uh, I'll Buy You A New Life, which is very kind of spacious, has lots of gaps in the... They don't just play like, here's a power chord, we're going to play it 4-4 to the floor. There's a lot of like little breaks. As you said, there's banjos in it, there's orchestration in it. There's some great brass sections in a couple of the tracks. Um, One Hit Wonder, which I think is the seventh track in it, like just builds and builds and builds throughout the track till it gets to these big kind of horn sections at the end. Mm-hmm. isn't really pretending to be particularly high-minded. He's a lot of the po-facedness of the second album, which was much more about his drug addiction than his brother's death and his father leaving and stuff. This was more like, oh, we're kind of doing all right. I'm going to be a bit more optimistic. And rather than talking about drug problems and fathers from a negative way, he was like, oh, I've got through that. It was a much more optimistically minded reflection yeah, on it. Funnily enough, when we talked about nostalgia in the city pop record and we're talking about 80s being a time of like guilt-free pleasure and blah 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 this album to me has like a sort of 90s nostalgia of like you know the 90s was that famously 
the end of history because there was yeah. the Western economy was yeah. booming and everybody was like taking t- time to look at themselves and be introspective. So there, there was like a weird like summary nostalgia to post grunge that had kind of survived the 80s felt that you know sadness of Kurt Cobain's death but they're also like oh, but you know what we're quite wealthy and mm. things are quite nice well this is the blah, thing blah. one of the reasons I would take this over the likes of Bush and certainly stuff like Stone Temple Pilots and then all the kind of sludgy stuff that followed is unlike those bands who were still pretending to be angst ridden millionaires but mm. angst ridden these guys were like actually really upbeat and rather than go in a direction where they tried to feign that intensity and that sadness which they'd already done two albums about mm-hmm. quite convincingly um, they just were like fuck it man we're, we're like, let's actually try and be buoyant let's enjoy being in a band let's enjoy indulging all these like, like I said Tom Petty and Beach Boys are big big influences in these guys and even though I was like going back to it I was kind of cringing a wee bit and I was like fuck man I actually am I'm still really impressed with the approach to it. It's totally maximalist. The amount of guitars, the the drums are simple, but he he, like, he was a good drummer. He was just very very functional. Played to the songs. Um, there's a couple of nice wee touches of really fuzzy bass. The the arrangement of the album obviously benefits for them being on a major label. But it's that fuck man. It's it's actually dripping with really cheesy optimistic uh, power pop, and I I, I kind of I still really have time for it. it the last three tracks in this album. Are poor and I wish they just fucking stopped sooner. Um, I don't think there's a father of mine, the sixth track and I, I deleted whenever I had this I always just papped that song but there's like the most popular song on Spotify. Yeah I know I know and I've always found that kind of weird that had a video as well. I, I never really got that. I, th- I felt like there were nine or ten really really strong songs in this album though that yeah just were a much more acceptable take on post-grunge than all these like shysters that were still pretending to be miserable and then all that really second wave that followed that of like people moaning and crooning and they didn't do any of that they took it in a much more upbeat direction and I kind of respect that you know it wasn't it was still it was still very slick but it wasn't as contrived and sort of manipulative and insincere I felt so. I mean I'm truly never going to listen to this album ever again But I understand yeah. I, I I do understand why you would go back to it Because it's got that sort of Glossy Pop rocky f- uh, Yeah but I mean <laughs> Going back Going to it for a first time now oh. Just like uh, That's what it sounds like they had a, they Do you had know a- what it made me yearn For the excitement of Live Oh, shut up, you <laughs> Don't be facetious. That's my point, though. Bands like Live still tried to do that angsty, yeah, tortured, no, I know, I know, sub-tool I'm... thing. And these guys were like, fuck that. We're not We're not going to debase ourselves. We're they, rich as fuck now. Well, we they, they actually want to be boring for the sake of it. You know, Everclear didn't break the way that people wanted them to break. And I don't think they ever really did get that rich. Yeah. And they had to keep touring. Man, the tour- got 8.2 on Pitchfork, by the way. Fair play, man. It's like it is an unabashedly I just, I exuberant power pop album. I mean, I, I think it's deeply flawed. There's four or five tracks, the last three certainly, that shouldn't be on it. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, it's not massively long as well. It's like 43 minutes, mm-hmm. something yeah. like that. Um, the track Local God, by the way, they had in the, the Romeo and Juliet sound, soundtrack, the Baz Luhrmann film. Uh-huh. Um, that was like how a lot of people found out about Everclear and that kind of broke them a wee bit but I don't think they became like massively affluent one last thing about this thing that this album though 
these guys had a fucking nightmare touring this album. I don't know if you've heard any of the stories, but it became like a sort of the cursed tour of like comedy sort of anecdotes. Um, I think uh, on one of the early shows when they were in Australia in 1997 for this, uh, Art Alexakis was hit in the face by a shoe that knocked out a bunch of his teeth like really early on in the fucking tour. Um, and then two nights later, somebody threw a lit sort of, in, I would say firework, but like an incendiary Mm-hmm. thing like a kind of big firework on stage that badly burned one of the stage hands when it exploded on stage during the set which had to be abandoned and so they kind of, at this point the second guitarist was like man I, I'm having a fucking terrible time let's just leave and they had a big argument but he persuaded them to stay and then they went back on stage for our Alex Akis's birthday and while the crowd were singing happy birthday <laughs> he was hit in the face for another shoe Is <laughs> <laughs> he at any point invade Iraq or anything <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> it's fucking mental, man. Um, and then, yeah, that was in the Gold Coast that happened. And uh, yeah, and then the guitarist left and the band just fucking cancelled the rest of the tour. And uh, after that, not, yeah, he just basically started drafting in musicians and touring himself. Oh, but go. it was a fucking calamity. A sad loss to the <laughs> musical community. Um, but yeah, yeah, I stand by it, man. I genuinely think it's actually a good record, albeit with problems. And the one that came before it is... A very fine example of that. If there is such a thing as a fine example of post-grunge, that's probably one of them. Cool. Well, thanks for having us, guys. Appreciate it. I um, hope we'll do another one of these next month. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to vote or anything on this. Yeah. You can just chat yeah. shit. Just give us your opinions once it goes up. Yeah. And all the people that don't subscribe will be jealous as fuck. Don't throw shoes at shit bands. No, do it. No, do it. Do it. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, actually, yeah, that yeah, literally yeah. had the well, intended effect. Throw slippers. <laughs> <laughs> throw Doc Martens. All right. Thanks, bye. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.